Well, welcome back to Two Pastors and a Mic. My name is Shannon. I'm Corey. And we're so thankful that you're joining us today. If you haven't already, would you just go to Apple Podcast and leave us a review? We Do would it. really appreciate that. We asked last week over Thanksgiving week, did we get any? I haven't looked. I haven't looked. Okay, that's okay. We'll save it for after the podcast. But if you haven't done so, would you please leave a review? Also share this podcast with a friend, a family member, coworker, someone in your life that you can have a conversation with after you guys listen. Remember, this is a resource for you. And uh, yeah, we want to be just a blessing to you in whatever season you're in. Yeah. And so instead of a question of the week and instead of doing the drafts, which by the way, Shanik just told me before we started recording that we're, he's killing the drafts. He says he's over it. And you as the listener, you might be over it. Like, why does this even matter? If you love it and you want us to bring it back, you're going to have to message one of us or text one of us. Let us know. Email one of us. I was over it. You're and I was uh, glad to go out on top. <laughs> <laughs> you did. You killed me last week in the Thanksgiving sides. Yeah. Speaking of Thanksgiving sides, I did have one of our listen- listeners, shout out to Christian. She came up to me on Sunday and was very offended by our, she quote unquote, our white Thanksgiving sides. Uh, so I apologize to all of our African-American listeners who couldn't relate to this Thanksgiving side draft edition. Because- yeah, we apologize for that. But also... It's not like we're not willing to try. If there's something that you love yeah, Christian, from your culture, uh, make us something. Bring it to let's us. Let's have it. <laughs> yeah. Wherever <laughs> someone, we do have typical white sides. Yeah. But it's, it is what it is. Yeah. So we actually have an announcement because this is episode 98. And in two weeks, yep. episode 100. 100. Yeah. It's unbelievable that we've been doing this podcast now for nearly two years. We're almost to 25,000 downloads. Crazy. Um, so, thank so thank you. you so much for listening. But we thought we would have a just absolute party with our 100th episode. And so what we did was also align it with the series that we're in. You have permission. And with that last, um, I guess, message or podcast in the series, you have permission. If you remember week one, we also told you, the listener, that you have permission to drink alcohol. And that might be shocking hearing that from two pastors. And so we decided to do our 100th episode live from a bar. That's right. That is in town. Um, It's called OLPH, Our Lady of Perpetual Hops, not to be confused with Our Lady of Perpetual Help, which is a Catholic church and ministry also in our town. Funny. But we're going to be at OLPH uh, Tuesday, December 13th at 6.30. We're recording live, but that also means that you, our listener, get to join us there if you want to. So come on out and you don't have to have a drink. It's a kid-friendly place. You can actually bring them in. They have cornhole. They got darts. There's actually going to be arm wrestling happening. Um, Heck yeah. (laughs) While we're recording this as well, but we're just going to be propped up at a table. We'll talk for a little bit. It ain't going to be a long podcast, but we're just going to be there to celebrate so we can hope Uh, or we do hope that you actually take us up on it in our invite and join us. Yeah. Audibly, it might be a terrible recording. So if you're listening to our hundredth episode and you're like, why does this sound so different? We're going to try and set it up the same, but yeah, if you are listening to this podcast before December 13th, 2022, we hope to see you there Tuesday night, 6 30 PM at OLPH. Yeah. Live. Come on out. Let's do it. All right. So as we continue though, in our series, you have permission, um, We wanted to talk about, I know it's an issue that's near and dear to your heart, something Mm -hmm. you love talking about actually. Um, But remember in the series, we're talking about things that you do have permission to do, right? First Corinthians says everything is permissible, 
but not everything is beneficial. First Corinthians 10, 23, I have the right to do anything, but not everything is beneficial. Not everything is constructive. So we understand that, but we get asked all the time, like, can I do this? Can I do mm-hmm. that? And so one of the things that I don't think people ask about, so we're just wanting to get proactive and let people know, especially in the Christian faith, you have permission to doubt. Yep. Right. Because doubt is a process of faith. It's a part of it. Yeah. Right. Because this thing called faith is a journey. It's not a one time decision. And so this is something I, I, I know you you love yeah. to talk about. So I'm just going to follow your lead today. I'll let you kind of unpack some of this stuff and uh, and I'll chime in when when necessary. Yeah. This is one of my favorite things to talk about because it was so monumental in my own faith journey is when I got the freedom to actually bring my doubts and my questions and my concerns about Christianity and the Bible and Jesus to the table. And not only was I given space to process, but there was so much health involved in the people that I brought it to because I had safe people, which is really, really important that you have safe people. And and that's what this podcast even exists is talking about topics to allow you um, permission to process ultimately and doubt for me, I still have doubts. I still wrestle with some things. There's still some uncertainties I have specifically with Christianity that I'm still processing through. And so, yeah, this is one of my favorite things to talk about with people. I hope that this episode is extremely encouraging. If you were part of our church at Hill City, you know that I literally preached on this topic in our I Never Said That uh, series just a couple weeks ago on specifically doubt. And we addressed this idea that Jesus never said that doubt is dangerous. And we're going to unpack a little bit of what I preached there. But I, I first want to talk about Brené Brown. She's one of my favorite authors uh, in leadership. And she she has a whole research team and all of her books are very um, data filled. And what I noticed in her, well, one of my favorite things in her most recent book, Atlas of the Heart, was she talked about the fact that her research team shows that when experts express doubt, they become more persuasive. And I, I underlined that. I brought that up with you because yep. when uh, we are in the business of persuading people. We, we're, we persuade people about Jesus. We persuade people about who they are because of Jesus, who they've always been, and uh, I've noticed specifically in my own journey that when I've been more open about my own doubts within the faith of Christianity, that, yeah, that, that quote is true. I've become more persuasive and more people are able to listen to what you have because you've honestly shown your vulnerability. And when we get dogmatic about our faith or when people have doubts and we just say, you just need more faith or you need to not ask that question. None of that is helpful yeah. to anyone. Yeah. I know for me, um, certainty is a huge wall that I know I put up and yeah. others put up to hide the doubt that I might be experiencing. But with that wall up, it doesn't allow people to really come in and see that doubt is okay. And like you said, doubt is a part of the process. And so I think whenever we, like you said, express some area of doubt that we're not fully certain, not only does our wall come down, but other people's walls they begin to come down as well to be open and vulnerable to share their struggles and their uncertainties and and know that they're in a safe spot and mm-hmm. it's okay. Yeah, because if you don't doubt anything, you don't grow. And if something cannot be questioned, I believe it cannot be trusted. And I know Grant Cardone, he's, I, I listen to a lot of financial guys. Um, 
I lean more towards Dave Ramsey, but I like listening to Grant Cardone. He does some things that I don't have the audacity to do. Um, not saying that all of his information is something you should accept, but he does challenge me in, in one process, specifically in the rental process. He was talking on a podcast recently, and I don't know if the story is true, but he talked about when he was an automobile salesperson in his young 20s, as his greatest tactic was removing the wall. And he would, when, when people would come, you know, we all call car sales guys, like those are the sleazy guys, right? Yeah. Cause we've all oh, yeah. been there. Yeah. If you haven't, then maybe you can't relate, but their, their job is to try and sell you on a car. And he said, one of the greatest uh, things he learned in car salesmen is his first question to the person would be, you don't have to buy today. And he said, as soon as I would say that their defense would come down because they recognized that I wasn't there just to try and get them money in his pocket, so to speak, mm -hmm. get them to buy the car. And I think that if we can learn from that, especially when presenting the gospel of like, when you express your doubts and when we admit our own uncertainties, it actually surprises people and they end up paying more attention because you're showing them that you're human and that you struggle with with things too. And so I think it's really important, especially for uh, church leaders that are listening to this, to be more vulnerable with your doubts. Uh, you don't always have to have the answers. In fact, one of the best answer is, I don't know. I struggle with that too, uh, is super, super helpful. And so we're actually going to unpack uh, scripturally some of the places. Uh, yeah, because we, we see doubt all throughout. All throughout the scriptures. And, and I want to preface this, and we're going to say this a lot over this podcast, is never once did Jesus rebuke people for having doubts. In fact, he always gave them a, an experience before he challenged them to stop doubting. And I find that you have to learn to read tone differently in the scriptures because it changes how you interpret some scriptures sometimes. But actually, this journey of mine was really kickstarted through a message you preached. I don't even know if you've preached it, but you kind of talked about it, about John the Baptist. Why don't you share that revelation real quick about how uh, his first experience with Jesus and then right before he dies? Because yeah. that kind of kickstarted it for me. Right. Well, of course, John the Baptist, he sees Jesus coming over to be baptized by him. And he's like, I can't do this. But he sees Jesus, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Like he recognizes him, his cousin, as, you know, the Son of God, the mm -hmm. Messiah, the Christ immediately baptizes him, hears the audible voice, this is my son, whom I love, whom I'm well pleased. Um, he, he gets to experience all that to see Jesus like come into who he really was in that moment. But then later on in life, this is years that has passed, Jesus has still been healing. The testimony of him has been spreading, but John finds himself in prison. Mm -hmm. And because of his circumstance, um, he has his own disciples and he tells his disciples, Hey, can you go ask Jesus a question? Can you just go and ask him, is he really the one that we've been waiting for? Like, is he really the Messiah? Because I know I said it and I know I believe he's the son of God, but at the same time, my circumstances right now, if he really was, I don't think I'd be going through this. And, um, his disciples go and talk to Jesus and Jesus says, well, go back and tell him what you see. You know, the, the blind eyes open, the deaf are hearing all of these amazing things that Jesus is doing, but not one time did Jesus say, Hey, go back and tell John, he's getting ready to get out of prison. No, he's going to have to stay there. And eventually he gets killed in prison. Mm -hmm. Um, and so when you think about it, him just going to ask the question, are you really the one? Like he's in the season of doubt, just sitting there and Jesus doesn't come like to rescue him out of that, but he just confirms, Hey, this is this is what 
you know, I'm doing, go tell John this and that that'll be confirmation enough. But yeah. And he also goes on to call John the greatest man who ever lived Yeah, in that moment. Wild. And so when you said that, I was like, I got a sermon series idea for Hill City Church. We're going to call it When the Greatest Man Doubts and just talk about this experience. He's super confident in the early stages of Jesus' ministry. This is the Messiah. This is the Savior. And then circumstances prevail and he's doubting. And I find so much encouragement in that as a human being who has circumstances that oftentimes cause me to doubt or have questions when I start to really study things that cause me to doubt. And so, yeah, let's unpack some of these scriptures because I think you'll be surprised at how I read scripture sometimes and some of the things we pull out because obviously one of the most famous challenges that Jesus has is towards Peter about not doubting when they're walking on water in Matthew 14. And I love this because I I preached this just a couple of weeks ago and my wife came back and she's like, I never thought about it like that because the reality is, is right. Peter's the only dude that got out of the boat. He's the only dude that recognized Jesus and he walks on water and he starts sinking, not because he's doubting Jesus, but because he doubts himself. And that is super important because a lot of people what they're going through right now in their life isn't necessarily a doubt of Jesus. It's doubting the power that you have because of Jesus. Mm-hmm. It's doubting yourself. And I, I love that message because one of my life goals is to help people believe that they matter. And you can't believe that you matter if you're doubting your own strengths and your God-given strengths ultimately. And so they have this encounter on the water. But verse 32 tells us that after Jesus told him to stop doubting, that they, that they get back in the boat. And then after that, it tells us he calmed the storm. So catch this picture, right? Peter had just sank. He he calls out to God to save him, calls out to Jesus to save him. Jesus saves him. So he's not doubting Jesus. And they're both now standing on the water. There's still a storm happening. And Jesus confronts his doubt after he gave him an experience while they're still standing on the water because they hadn't gotten back in the boat yet. Yeah. And I, I love that because I used to read that with a disappointed tone, like Jesus being like oh, super disappointed. Yeah. But now understanding the heart of the Father, I recognize that it's not a disappointment. And they're on the water. They're standing on the water. Like this is so mind-boggling that they're that Jesus has this conversation while they're still standing, while Peter's still soaked. And, you know, th- this question is, is actually just a terrible translation. He doesn't say stop doubting. The, the question there in the original Greek is, do you not understand? And and I think it's like this question that is sincere and it's not a tone of disappointment. It's a tone of revelation. You know, faith isn't something that you have or you don't have. Faith is a journey of ups and downs. It's a muscle that grows as you use it, but it still falters and fluctuates at strange moments in your life, oftentimes based on circumstances. And that happens oftentimes even after the hard work of believing is done. And so Man, you had there's so much grace at least at my table for people that doubt and for people that struggle with that, but I I love that Jesus gave Peter his own experience. And you can I mean, I went on to unpack doubting Thomas, which I hate that label for Thomas because right. if you read the story in Luke 24, the disciples didn't believe either. Right? right? They the were women locked away in yeah, a room. They were locked in a room terrified. The women come to tell them that Jesus isn't in the tomb. None of them believe. And so Jesus shows up to them locked in this room which is a miracle in and of itself because they're locked in a room and yep. he shows up. But later on in the scriptures, it it tells us that Thomas wasn't in the room. So there's only 10 in the room at this moment, right? Because Judas isn't in the picture. Yep. And Jesus gives them all, all 10, a real life experience. experience. Yep. Then those disciples are telling Thomas about this experience, who unfortunately wasn't in the room. 
Think about this. And Thomas responds with, you know, where we get the famous Doubting Thomas quote. He says, unless I see for myself and get to put my fingers in his scars, I will not believe. And I love what happens next because just a couple verses later, Jesus shows back up in the room and shows up to Thomas and says, here. And Thomas is the only one, according to Scripture, who actually got to touch the risen Jesus, which is a cool experience. But we oftentimes skip the fact that this happened a week later after the disciples had gotten their experience. But guess where the other 10 disciples are? They're still in that room locked. Right. So they had their experience with Jesus. No one points out the fact that now all 11 are in the room, still locked, and the other 10 are bragging to Thomas about their experience, but that experience still didn't change their life because they're still locked in the Dagon room. Like, isn't this funny? And, And Jesus shows up to Thomas, and before he challenges his doubt, he gives him a real, authentic, unique, personal experience. And I love that because many people don't realize this, but Thomas is the only disciple who, according to to scripture, not only touched the risen Jesus, but then went the farthest east as he shared the gospel to what is now called Asia, yeah. which means Thomas was... India. Yeah. In, yeah. Is it I've India? I've been there. Yeah. It's right oh, yeah, outside, yeah. Right outside they Chennai. They have like statues for Th- Thomas, don't yeah, they? Yeah, they do. It's right outside Chennai. There's actually a basilica that's built up on the mountain where he actually went to pray over the city. He met the king there and... He was actually um, speared to death, yeah. Thomas. Yeah. Um, but they now have a monument right there for him. I stood in the same spot that he got killed in. It's crazy. Yeah. Farthest east, which mm-hmm. is wild. And so what does Jesus do when people doubt? He shows up every single time in the scriptures and gives them what they're asking for, yeah. a real life experience. And so maybe yeah. you're sitting in a season of doubt. Have you asked? And right. then have you been patient? Yeah. And that's actually helped me a lot as a pastor and, and ministry leader when people come, a lot of them just want questions. And I think a lot of people are maybe a little disappointed that I leave people with resources. You mean answers? They just want answers. You said they just want questions. Oh, they just want, yeah. Answers. answers. Yeah. But then because, and they, cause they have questions, Yeah. but then of course we leave them with resources, things for them to study out because they do have to have that experience with Jesus, not just be told by someone else, all of the answers to what they might be thinking through. Cause everybody's life is different. Mm-hmm. And everybody relates to God and Jesus differently. And so they need their experience. And when you leave them to have that experience, funny thing is spirit actually does show up. Every time. And in unique ways. Why? Because it's personal and unique to you. I'll give you two more examples. And one of my favorite passages of scripture is in Mark 9. Mark nine twenty three. It's a super famous verse. If you don't know it off the top of your head, you're going to know it as soon as I quote it. Right? The centurion man comes to Jesus looking for Jesus to heal his son. And... Uh, the centurion says... Yeah. I don't uh, think it's a centurion. I think it's just a dad. Oh, uh, okay. But I could be wrong. Keep yeah. going, keep going. Anyways, he, he says, if you can. And Jesus confronts that if. If you can. Yeah. And then he says that real famous line that everybody quote out of context. It says, everything is possible for those who believe. But no one has Mark nine twenty four memorized because he responds, I do believe, but help my unbelief. One of the most sincere passages of all of scripture. And then it tells us afterwards, after he says that, Jesus heals his son. So it's like, holy smokes, this guy was able to present his doubt to Jesus, to his face, and Jesus responded with grace. He responded with healing. And that's just one of those cool things of like, okay, yeah, we can say everything is possible for those who believe. But I think what's a more honest prayer is, hey, Jesus, I believe right now, but help my unbelief. Would you show up in real ways to help my unbelief? And I think that prayer is something that you will pray for the rest of your life, if we're being honest and sincere. 
because faith and doubt aren't yeah. opposing positions. They're not opposites. Many people say the opposite of doubt is faith. That's not true. The opposite of faith is fear. The opposite, doubt and, and faith are together. They go side and side. It, they, again, you only grow when you doubt, when you question things. And so you have permission to doubt. And then I, yeah, that's good. this last one was my favorite thing. It's my new favorite scripture in this season of life. Remember, I, I saw it just last week right before I preached and I came running in your office. I was like, look at this. So Matthew 28, right, right before the Great Commission in verse 16 and 17. This is after the experience that Thomas and the other 10 disciples get in the upper room, whatever it was locked. So Jesus tells them to go to Galilee. And so this is after the resurrection, after Jesus reappeared to his disciples twice, mind you, and he tells them to go to Galilee and he'll meet them there. So he goes there and uh, I don't, I don't have this showed up. Do you have this uh, written out? No. Okay. Uh, let me look it up real quick. Matthew, what is it? Matthew 28. Matthew 28, verse 16 and 17. So again, this is right before the great commission of, you know, as you go make disciples, right? Not so verse 16, then the 11 disciples go to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. Verse 17, when they saw him, who's they? The 11 disciples. Okay, so the 11 disciples is the context. When they saw him, they worshiped him, comma, but some doubted. Yeah, it's crazy. I've read over that verse my whole life. It's like my new favorite verse. So these disciples, 11 guys, remember, I'm going to say it again, have all of them have gotten two experiences with the risen Jesus one week apart. Jesus shows up and tells them to go to Galilee. They go to Galilee and it says some of them worshiped, some yeah. of them doubted. All right. of them worshiped, right? No, it says when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. So yeah. not a, everybody worshiped him, some doubted. Or maybe they all yeah. worshiped, but they, worshiped says in they their worshiped him. So that they, they is him. the 11, but some of them, doubted. some of them doubted, which actually, you know what I was thinking about that when you preach this, and I think it's cool that even through our doubts that he can still be worshiped. Like, yeah, I just think that was a cool little picture yeah. with that. I, I love it because it it's, I've never heard a sermon on that. Maybe it was preached and I wasn't paying attention, but yeah. no one focuses on the fact that after the resurrected Jesus, right. after their experiences, they still doubt it. And Jesus doesn't confront their doubt. He literally gives the great commission. As yeah. you go, make disciples of yeah. all nations. Yeah, they're in, in their doubt. I think he goes on to say, um, like, is this where he says, all authority has been given to me. Uh, yep. Now I'll give it to yeah. you. Go, you therefore, make disciples. Yeah. yeah. He's unconcerned with He's their like, doubt. in your doubt, I'm giving you authority. Unconcerned. I love that. Because, again, you have permission to doubt. I think Jesus is less concerned about your doubt, and he's more concerned about what you do with it. Because we've overcomplicated a really simple concept. You know, the whole message of Jesus is to love like Jesus, right? The only command in the new covenant is John 13, 35 and 36 and says, they will know you're my disciples by your love for one another. Not by how well you know the scriptures, not by your doctrine, not by your theological beliefs, not by your eschatology, not by any other type of ology, not by your denominational pull, not by your ability to argue or persuade, not by your ability to condemn people. No, only by your love for Jesus. So regardless if you have doubts, people will know that you're a disciple of Jesus by your love. I love that. Super simple, but we've complicated it. And I know D, you know, he preached that sermon about how Jesus never said, uh, love, love the sinner, hate the sin. And I love it. One of my favorite messages, you should go listen to it on YouTube if you haven't. And 
he said though in his sermon, it's impossible for you to love someone while you're pointing out what you don't like about them or what you disagree about with them. Right. And I love that because that often has been the gospel message, but that's not the gospel. And so many people are like, so what do you do with people who doubt? Because I've had parents come to me concerned about their kids. Like, hey, my kid's doubting. What do you do? Honestly, let them doubt. Give them space to doubt. And I think the message of Jude, one of the last books of the Bible, Jude 122 says, be merciful to those who doubt. That's what the scripture says. And so maybe the best thing you can do when people are doubting is not try to fix them, but give them a safe space to process, process with them, have empathy, and be merciful. And maybe you've already overcome some of the doubt that they're experiencing. Be merciful to them. Give them that time to process. Don't correct their beliefs. Let them process. The Holy Spirit's bigger than you. Sometimes the Holy Spirit will speak through you, but don't feel like you have to save everybody. Because I used to carry a savior complex. Like I have to fix everybody's beliefs because my beliefs have changed so much over the last 10 years that I became dogmatic in the opposite way. Dogmatic in grace, which isn't helpful and not attractive. And so, yeah, I love that. No, it's all good. I uh, I, I, think, I, I talked a lot. So. No, I, I wanted to say I appreciate that. Appreciate you putting the work. If you haven't listened to Corey's message on doubt, it's in our uh, you never or I never said that series. Mm-hmm. Um, I think probably message number seven, um, just a few weeks ago, and it was it was really good. And I think I'll I'll close how you closed that that sermon that day. You just talked about Matthew eleven twenty five, where Jesus says eleven twenty eight eleven twenty eight. Yeah, come to me all who who are weary, and I will give you rest. Hmm. So in other words, right, be awakened and aware that he has already come to you. You don't need more faith. You need to rest in his. His faith is the basis of our faith. And the gospel does not demand faith. It supplies it to you. So Hmm. it'll supply it even in your doubt. And if you're having doubts, you're in, um, in a good place. Yeah. I would say so. I'd say you're in the best place. It doesn't feel like it. Yeah, it's, it's hard to process Yeah, because you want answers. And sometimes life isn't about the answers. Sometimes life is about the process. Yep, about the journey. Yeah, so and we're available. Journey. If you need help processing some stuff, you can reach out. I know some people have really taken advantage of that with our cell phone and our email. Yeah, we're available, so reach out. Yeah, and if this episode blessed you, challenged you, was thought-provoking, why don't you share it with somebody who you think would benefit from the conversation and have a dialogue between the two of you yeah. or post this on your pod or not your podcast. If you do have a podcast and you're listening, you can post this on your podcast or post this on your socials, send a text. We love all the shares, all the support and the encouragement. Yeah. Share it with a friend. And just with that, just know you're loved and there's nothing you can do about it.